0: Hello and welcome back, all you folks out there on the great wide sea of humanity. I'm Sam Thayer, back with more on the art, science, and party potential of Going Invisible. At last, in this long and sometimes laborious investigation into the hows and whys of Going Invisible, the sacrifices required and the rewards accrued. Doc assures us that the practice is far from all work and no play. So, on a lighter note, I am at risk, says Doc, of misrepresenting invisibility as some grimly arduous uprising against the disagreeable, over-commercialized way of life. It does feel that way sometimes, especially at the beginning when there's so much ripping of loops from hooks to be done. The soul-searching required to root out deeply ingrained prejudices ingested with the jolly green giant, Tony the Tiger, the Pillsbury Doughboy, LSMFT, and the Marlborough Man is not everyone's idea of a good time. But speaking from my own experience, informed by fellow travelers I have known, if you stick with it, going invisible will very likely reward you with the most fun you've ever had in your life. As I write this, I surprise myself, not having reflected much on the playful aspects of invisibility, but it's certainly true. Since going invisible as a man well past middle age, I've had more fun than a barrel of monkeys, as the old saying goes, and it keeps getting better. I'm sorry I waited so long. I have recommended a few exercises for fledglings eager to spread their invisibility wings such as the liberation of public practice the wallflower pleasures of party practice navigating workplace challenges driving invisible the occasional deep-sea dive for reinforcement all these become great fun once practiced with some regularity until mastered. Something akin to the runner's high can follow an invisible's expedition to the grocery store or shopping mall that no one else notices. Going invisible opens up new worlds reminiscent of when we were children with fresh eyes and every clump of oaks was an enchanted forest to explore. In adapting ourselves to this largely unmapped new world of invisibility, we can create our own exercises and practices best suited to our unique talents and circumstances. I will share with you one such practice I have given myself over to with consistent eagerness, It suits me exceptionally well, for reasons I will explain. You might give it a try and see if it suits you too. I call this practice simply my night walks. Nothing special. Many people take walks at night. I take one at least weekly, alone if possible. Here's why I believe this particular technique works as well for me as it does. When I was a young man and restless, I used to walk the streets of my small hometown late at night to clear my thoughts and calm my emotions. I distinctly recall traversing long blocks of dark houses with paper shades or sheer curtains drawn, lights and silhouettes playing on the backlit screens, inhabitants moving obscurely in their frames like shadow plays, and my imagination soaring. Who is in there? What are their lives like? Are they happy or sad? Are they anything like me? I wore myself out wrestling with perplexing conundrums of human existence, human destiny, my destiny, and the meaning of life, all triggered by anonymous shadow people I would never know and who would never know me. My thoughts ran away with me. They never became clear. My emotions never calmed. The best I could accomplish on those walks was to tear myself out until sleep would finally come. This memory has become a benchmark experience for me, a standard by which I measure my invisibility progress. Now, on night walks, I avail myself of the simple, obvious, universally ignored fact that none of us has a head, a reality brought to my attention by D.E. Harding in his early 1961 classic of invisibility literature, though he never uses that term, titled On Having No Head, Zen and the Rediscovery of the Obvious. Harding makes good use of the observation that if we stop assuming based on secondary information, like tactile groping, mirrors, photos, if we stop just assuming that we have a head, which he calls an opaque and colored and hairy 8-inch ball with various holes in it, unquote, If we stop all those assumptions, then all that actually exists here on our shoulders from the subjective present point of view is, as he calls it, an abyss at the center of my being, this yawning cavern, this magical locality, this void, this vacancy filled to capacity with the scene, unquote realizing that i have no head and that in its place is the entire experienced world it gives me a powerful jump start toward achieving complete psychological and spiritual invisibility the darkness of night is a further aid street lights avoided soft-soled shoes muting the distraction of audible footsteps Some nights I cover miles of residential city streets with single-family homes, duplexes and fourplexes, apartment buildings, large and small, all with backlit shades or curtains presenting much the same shadow plays as so excited my youthful imagination. This older imagination of mine No longer projects inner turmoil on those window screens. Windows are windows, shadows, shadows, stars, stars. For hours, thoughts come and go without attachment, nothing to hold them, ghost clouds crossing my inner night sky. On a good night, my attention knows moments of perfect, thoughtless clarity, pure and all-encompassing, empty and transparent to every sight and sound the night offers. So clear, so calm, the word fun falls ridiculously short of conveying the pleasure I take home from my night walks. Coming up next, Invisibility and the ART is rescuing at least some artists from the marketplace clutches of econoculture. For more on Going Invisible, visit howtogoinvisible.com Oh, one word, no spaces.